0: Radio, the podcast where I lock two of my favorite friendly local game store staff members into a room and force them to talk about all the nerdy stuff that I need to get off my chest. And hopefully, you can enjoy it along with us. Today, again, we have Manager
1: Jamie. Hello, everybody. And Jesse. It's me. A Jesse. Oh. Jesse Hello. O.
0: Hello. <laughs> I thought we were doing a Mario joke yes. That's right there with you Because I... honestly, 100% You'd be a better Mario than Chris Pratt I'm just going to say that <laughs> I can put that on the record right now Have
1: you heard this? No, wait, what are you talking I... about? Jamie
0: is now looking at us in confusion There the... is going to be a Super Mario Brothers movie
1: Again Another one?
0: Yeah Animated
1: Yeah. Uh, well, that's better Chris right? Pratt
0: is playing Mario I will say, oh.
2: aside from anything else Keeping it short so we don't go down the rabbit hole I don't think Mario when I see or hear Chris Pratt, so it's just a weird choice. But yes. um, but
1: yeah, that's a well, that's a, Chris Pratt's the hotness from be, in Hollywood I know, right now. I I'll mean,
2: see. people so will go
1: see it of, just because Chris Pratt's in it, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's how that works. That's how you get those those uh, roles.
0: I'm avoiding a rabbit hole with it. Yes, it's I frustrating. There's, there's some other things that are yeah. connected that. I he will, is connected to, but has not fully stated anything yet, and so it's just I'll a weird... I'll say this. Bob
2: Hoskins was a good Mario. Bob Hoskins uh, was a good Mario. And John
0: Lugazamo yeah. as
1: Luigi. For, I have a soft spot for that movie. For I a man have a soft spot who was for not John Lugazamo movies.
0: Yeah, for a man who was not sober, for 90% of that film, John <laughs> Hodgkins really knocked it out of the park. Um, so we have Chris Pratt as Mario. We have Anna Taylor-Joy, who you might know from The Queen's Gambit. Uh, She is playing Princess Peach Luigi is Charlie Day From uh, Always Sunny Bowser is Jack Black Oh Oh, That's an
2: interesting choice I can't I mean, I don't know I I can see it in a a gag role But for me, Bowser has a very Deep, booming voice I can't can't hear it any other way
0: I think, though, that Jack Black has the range Where we could get something completely different Out of Jack Black that will fit Yeah it's something that I, if, if I approach
2: it from like a Wreck-It-Ralph perspective, I feel like I can I can get the vibe. It's not, it's not the worst
0: choice. It's not right. the worst choice. Uh, toad is Keegle Mi- Michael Key. Yeah. Keegan Michael Keegan Keegan Key. From. Excuse me. <laughs> Keegan <laughs> Peel. <laughs> yep. So that I absolutely agree. To be fat if you would have told me Jack Black was Toad, I would have been happy. If you told me Charlie Day was Toad, I would have been happy. If you told me Chris Pratt was Toad, I would have been happy. Yeah, as long as you can uh, screech. Yeah. And then uh, – this is where it gets weird because Seth Rogen is playing Donkey Kong. Okay. Uh, Fred Armisen from Portlandia is playing Cranky Kong. Okay. Okay. And then we get into a few like
1: other minor
0: roles is, that I think. We've gone be down right. a rabbit
1: hole of weirdness yeah. right off the bat. Yeah. Because yeah. I mean, let's be honest. If we're gonna talk about movies, Dune comes out on Thursday. That is, it is true. It does. And it's getting such good reviews, and I'm. Absolutely, positively going to be there to see it.
2: I may have grabbed one of the Dune quick starts uh, at Free RPG Day yesterday. A little foreshadowing of conversation later, in case I can harangue Jamie into playing it. <laughs> yes, I, I
1: grabbed it too. I grabbed uh, I grabbed the the Dune one and I grabbed the Zombicide uh, role playing game, the campaign, the little yeah. campaign that, book they had.
2: That was designed to kind of. Kind of fold in with what you already own for Zombicide, right? Like another way to play with what you already own, or? Um,
1: well, yeah, it's part of the Zombicide role-playing game that, mm. that we haven't successfully been able to get the core rulebook right. for God knows whatever reason. Where's the core rulebook out? We've got the other stuff, but not the core rulebook. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's just it's just another adventure to right. roll into. I and mean, like the how RPG,
2: it, I haven't looked at the Zombicide RPG much to see how it. How it compares to the board game and similarities
0: and whatnot,
1: you know Well, I haven't either because we haven't been able to get the core cool <laughs> book
0: So, by the way, I'm John Parrott, we're moving into what happened this week Free RPG Day was this week
1: oh, uh,
0: Yesterday Yesterday, yes. as of this recording And I was able to partake as well And to be honest, I was very happy with how many people were there yeah. uh, It was mm-hmm. a respectable amount
1: Yeah, I mean, we still have some COVID restrictions in the store, and so that kept some people away from sitting down and play games. And and we've heard from people who have said, I'm not comfortable playing in the store yet, completely understand, completely get it. Um, but people who just swung in to pick up stuff and participate in a few of the activities that were happening around the store, it was a good crowd. It It was, was. it was nice. It was, it was never super packed in the store the entire time, but it was like a good rotation of people all day long. There
2: was a good energy of just people having fun. And, uh, it was, we had far fewer events than we have in the past, obviously again, COVID, but I mean, we still had a slate of events that things were going on all the time and, Uh, I got to actually not only run, but also play in a game. That was pretty cool. I don't remember the last time I got to sit down for an RPG,
0: so... uh I, I think one of the things I really liked to see was just the like engagement as mm. well. Like There were not just tables where there was just one person playing, mm. but most of the tables did have at least two to three people on it trying to figure things out and, and working through a campaign. Uh, I actually tried to participate one year as a person to show off an RPG, and I was very sad to say nobody chose my RPG. But... Uh, it was it was still an interesting experience to see that before and comparing it to now and feeling like you're right there was a much better energy. What was what was
2: the game that you were? I did that City game?
0: of Mist by oh, Sunvalk. I keep
2: hearing great things about that and I want to check it out sometime.
0: It's good. So it's a Powered by the apocalypse. So it's very much tag based mm. and it's it's supposed to be theater of the mind. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's absolutely a fun novel concept, and to be honest, if you're looking for a good actual play of it, uh, the One Shot Podcast mm-hmm. did a fantastic. I love One Shots. Yeah, just roll through the One Shot Podcast uh, feed; you should be able to find it. Uh, it's probably about who, two, three years ago now, and uh, you'll you'll hear a fantastic campaign where that game is played.
1: Well, I, you tried to do that. I think you tried to run that in 2019. Yes. Yeah, and then 2020 we did everything Virtual. online only. Mm-hmm. We did everything on Zoom. And then this year we were back in person, and but it was good. I mean, we you know a couple of Pathfinder games. Jesse didn't run a Final Fantasy game. <laughs> um, Soulbound looked like it had a pretty good crowd. Ryan did a cool session on um, player character creation and working on the backstory of your character and how to have fun without making an overpowered monster for whatever game you're playing. You know, people had a, I think people had a good time, legit.
0: Has there been sessions like that, like the one Ryan ran, where uh, you are talking more about the concepts of RPG and not just actually the game itself?
1: Um, mm, I like don't a, think so. Like we've, a, we've had some on how to be a dungeon master, yeah. how to be a DM, and I mean that was kind of 5e specific, but but in general, the same principles would apply of you know of, of pre planning and prepping yeah. and and then how to engage with people and and try to pull them into the story that you're weaving along. We've done that before, but we've never done one on just character creation before.
0: I found that really interesting because I was sitting and kind of listening in every once in a while because Jesse was running my game, but he's also a manager of the store, so he had things to do at times. But it was really nice to hear people bouncing ideas off each other or trying to understand a concept or, or kind of changing their own purview. So it was something that I had not seen, I guess... Uh, offered much and I, I wanted to definitely give you kudos for putting that out there thanks I know you guys have a lot of great books uh, for that topic mm. but not actual sessions of it yeah,
1: so. yeah it, it, sometimes it's all about finding the right person to to lead a session and then it's I mean but it's got to be the engagement of the people participating too yeah. right yeah. and and that's what makes all the difference so you, at a good role playing game table or a seminar or whatever you're doing it's it's the engagement yeah because nobody just wants to sit and talk at somebody the entire time. Right. It's got to be two-way.
2: Well, and, and you know, you make a good point about just the learning the... And it's one of the things I recommend people read, uh, The Ultimate RPG Gameplay Guide by James DiAmato from James One James yep. Um, the meta stuff of the table of what is role-playing, because... You know, you sit down. It's like, what are people expecting out of this? Like, are you wanting to do dungeon crawl? I want to focus on some combat. Are you wanting to do story and intrigue? Are you, you know, well, are you looking for comedy? You're looking for something serious. And so a lot of people just go like, oh, I have this idea of what an RPG is supposed to be like, but what am I really supposed to do at the table? And a lot of people don't learn that until they sit down at a game. And you know, the easiest way to learn is to play. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, being able to get some of that kind of Dipping your toes in before you actually play is definitely good to set expectations.
0: I will say I got to play uh, a game with Jesse. He was the DM for... Fabula Ultima.
2: I can give yes. the 30-second pitch, and then you I'd love to hear you talk about the actual experience of playing. Oh, absolutely. And then after that, I can talk about Soulbound since I got to play that. Yeah, yeah, So Fabula Ultima is a game I've seen discussed in indie forums uh, a bit lately, and it was like a Patreon game. Like, you sign up for the Patreon, you get the whole beta version of the rulebook. And it's very heavily inspired by classic Final Fantasy and JRPGs. It refers to itself as a TTRPG, or a, a TTJRPG, a tabletop JRPG. Um, it's uh, very, like, you've got sort of a job system kind of outlook to it, very roleplay oriented. Um, the mechanics definitely lean into, like, the feel of a classic turn based RPG. Um, and I had a great time running it. It has enough mechanical things that keep combat interesting and storytelling but it's not overwhelming and the way that the adventure their little quick start adventure called press start which was fun um, is laid out it's a step by step tutorial running you through the mechanics so like it has okay in this scene the players unlock section 2 of their character sheet don't even worry about reading more until you get to this so you can explain this one bit at a time. And I thought that was pretty cool. So, John, you actually got to play it, so you tell me what you think.
0: I did. I played Cassandra, a Sky Raider... Played, Sky Sky yeah. Raider, excuse me, yes. Uh, and that was fantastic. So first time I'd actually ever played a female character. Mm-hmm. Uh, first time i ever played a cat girl. So there was a lot of firsts <laughs> for me. Um, but it was, a, it was a really interesting game experience. So I always feel that if you want to play a long campaign, so having something with depth like Pathfinder and D&D is really your your good step because there's a lot to work from. There's support from a company that is uh, trying to keep you to play and all this content. But whenever you want to do just like fun, like three or four session one shots, that's where a lot of these, uh, like as I was saying, City of Mist being an RPG, Mm -hmm. and that's definitely where I fit uh, Fabula Ultima into is just where you want to have a theater of the mind experience. You want to do fantastic things. You want to dream up, you know, the same action that happens in the Matrix or in an anime or in the Castlevania TV show that was on Netflix and really just kind of let loose a little bit instead of worry about all of the rules. So uh, that's what I think it really shined was the fact that we didn't really have to worry about an inventory system because you have inventory points. You want a rope? That'll cost you two inventory points. And then you can just say that you had one on your person instead of trying to prep for a mission ahead of time. Uh, It had things like, uh, whenever you rolled for damage, you used that roll, you didn't have to roll again. So, excuse me, let me rephrase that. I rolled to see if my damage is a success. If it is, that same roll then applies to the damage that I'm doing as well. So I don't have to pull out two or three separate die just trying to see what I'm trying to accomplish. Um, It allows for a lot of creativity and uh, interesting problem solving. I, in fact, killed my character at the end of the campaign uh, I, I did a I, I lost full health uh, Against the last boss But then I did I was given the opportunity To perform kind of A special maneuver As my last action Where I can sacrifice My hero It was either that Or I'd be unconscious Until after the battle ends And I said You know what This is a one shot I want to make this dynamic So I, I went out In a blaze of glory And the game system Really revolved around That working perfectly mm. So yeah I highly suggest it I'm really looking forward to When you get Some of those books in the
2: Yeah store. Um it's supposed to have the hardback come out in next year, 2022, early in I think Q1, and uh, I haven't seen yet where, but presumably I'm going to be able to order it from somewhere, right? So definitely keep an eye out for me posting, hey, we can pre-order this now. Gotcha,
1: <laughs> gotcha. I'll be looking. Yeah. Jamie, what did stuck out at you during RPG Day? There was, you know, there was so much um, content as part of Free RPG Day this year. Um, I did get, you know, one of the things was the new Essence 20 system, which is from Renegade, and that's the new system that they're going to build the Transformer, the G.I. Joe, and the Power Rangers role-playing games on top of, and they had a little booklet from there and, you know, got feedback from one of the customers on Facebook, like, hey, there's no, it's just an adventure, there's no actual rules in this book. The quick
2: rules got lost in production somewhere, apparently, because oh, it was no. only an
1: adventure. Yeah, yeah. so you, you got an adventure, but you couldn't do anything with the adventure, which that's exactly the same thing, though, when I started looking, the Zombicide is just mm. an adventure, no rules at all. So if you have the Zombicide game, which is there's a book somewhere <laughs> um, coming to Red Raccoon Game, if you have it, you could play with this new adventure and have a good time. But if you, you know, mm. it was just that was an interesting thing that I don't remember ever seeing for Free RPG Day because it's all about trying a new experience. Um, but there was a ton of stuff the, the Root RPG, a uh, little book that they had, which we got one last year, and then we got one again this year, like a, a different adventure for the Root RPG. Um, you know that was very popular. People are very much looking forward to that one, and we've got that one on order. We're just waiting for it to show up. Um, there were um, a, a couple of companies that had stuff in the in the bundle this year. You know, because as a store, um, the free the, the company that runs Free RPG Day uh, just reaches out and says, "Would you like to order a bundle?" And and so they're not free to us. We right. have to buy them, and then we give them away free. And and it's, you know, I guess you're supposed to look at it as a marketing expense. Um, But there was more stuff in that box than we've seen in the past. It was really good. It was loaded. Yeah. um, Serious Dice had some really, had a really nice, like, wooden dice case that was in there. So that means that Serious Dice is going to be rolling out wooden dice boxes soon, right? Interesting. Um, And then uh, WizKids took the opportunity to put in one of their new... Framework. Frameworks. Yeah. So... WizKids has put out unpainted minis for D&D, Pathfinder, whatever fantasy RPG you're playing for years, and they're taking a step at a more customizable and highly detailed mini than we've, they're able to do as a one printing, like it's already pre-done when you open the package up. And uh, so it was interesting to get a chance to look at those. It was a a a, a night hag. Yeah.
0: We had talked about them at, at length, I believe, on one of the other podcasts, and, and yeah. been looking forward to them. This so. was
1: the first time we'd ever seen one of them, and mm-hmm. and how many. Options were on the sprues because this is a you've got to cut it apart and kind of sand it down yeah. and glue it together. But you glue it together with the options that you want. Mm-hmm. It'll also give you um, some uh, options to pre-paint parts before you glue it together to make it even a better paint job on some of your minis. You know the uh, the Night Hags face you could put on last um, and keep her her hair and braids separate from the rest of the cloak around it, make the paint job a little easier. So uh, the first time we saw those, um, there was uh, some dice in there from Q Workshop this year, uh, Q Workshop, as well as from um, Gatekeeper Dice. And, uh, you know, it was interesting to see some online forums because Gatekeeper has had some of their own controversy this year for some of their social media posts that they put out. So it was interesting to see that they still had product in the box. Um, But we did not see this year... um, Lamentations of the
2: They've I think Lamentations of the Flame Princess has been out for a couple of years now in terms of not They were
1: supposed to be in last year's box, but um, there was a huge protest yeah. from you know there's a significant number of female game store owners mm-hmm. who were tired of an RPG system that is
2: the the sad. artwork looks like cannibal corpse cover art. And mm-hmm. if you're not if you're not aware what that means, you're about to Google. It's it's very violent, rather misogynistic. So that's all you really need Not know. rather,
1: very misogynistic. <laughs> not yeah. And so there was a, a significant pushback from the female game store owners. It wasn't in the bundle this year, so they didn't even send it out this year too. And. Um, yeah, so that it, it's just interesting to see some changes this year from past years mm. of Free RPG Day. But I think everything is—I think everything was really for the better. I mean, it was a really solid day, and people were looking forward to it, and had a great time.
0: Yeah, it's, it was—it seemed fantastic. And I will say that that is an excellent segue into our first bit of news this week.
2: I wanted to mention that I played Age of Sigmar Soulbound. Okay, <laughs> before we moved on.
1: Oh, that's fine. Hit we're we're going to give you 45 seconds. Yeah. Soul- and I'm going I'm to put this timer on it. Okay, go.
2: Soulbound was fun. It got the feel of the Age of Sigmar setting. The really cool thing is that it gives you more of a feel for what day-to-day life is like in that setting than the grand-level army battles that you... It's all very abstracted. Um, It got the power curve very right to where your heroes feel like a hero versus a unit that comes in like an army of, uh, you know, a squad of 10. The balance was right. The mechanics were very straightforward. Played great. Had a great time. Highly recommend.
0: Got it.
1: That was well done. That was. That was well done. I
0: can be succinct when I want to. (laughs) I will say that the Warhammer world has always made me feel like I'm really interested in the lore of it, but I never want to live there. Like I don't want to experience that day to day. That's very
2: much the case for Warhammer Fantasy and Warhammer 40K. Mm Age of Sigmar is a little better. That's still horrifying, you know, with what could happen at any given time. But it's more of an epic fantasy where there's weird stuff going on, but you could see yourself
0: living it. Best out of the three choices, let's put it that way. Gotcha. Speaking of having choices in RPGs, (laughs) a second best segue (laughs) I could ask for. Uh, Our first piece of news this week is that Paizo uh, has had a bit of a situation, whereas many of the people that work for Paizo have decided to unionize in order to try and make a few changes within the company for the betterment, in their opinion. Uh, a lot of this is coming from uh, from a direct quote where they are having to work in a city that is very expensive to live in, but yet they are not being paid and compensated in that way, with further on talking about a little bit of the attitudes within the game industry that are really needing to be changed. And this has been something that I've been seeing on the news feeds when I prepare for the podcast every week. Uh, this is something where there's been constant complaints about how people are treated, and it's not necessary. I'm going to take that back, because they're not complaints, they are revelations of how sometimes the industry is treating designated groups of people uh, for their differences, or for things that are beyond their control, or for things that just are not, are should be more accepted within our society. And so, I'm I'm actually really happy to see that this is happening, and that... Because I know that with game industry, I've always just kind of seen it, and correct me if I'm wrong, because again, you guys are the experts, it is this very far-flung world where there's a bunch of people that are getting their heads together and saying, we can make a board game. And then they kind of come into this collective the more and more they explore that passion and then have to find out some of the, the ins and outs that come with the industry. And it seems like there's people that are now in the industry trying to provide a better place for the people that come after them.
1: Yeah. I mean that Yeah. There's, I mean there's so much stuff going on. I mean, right now we saw a lot of blow ups last year with all of the you know uh, sexual harassment and 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 bad management out of cards against humanity in which they're just up in Chicago mm-hmm. to the point where we just discontinued carrying the game. We just stopped carrying the game. Um, and we may bring it back at some point because the workers at Cards Against Humanity unionized last year to make sure that they could ensure better treatment of their staff members for for their family of games up there in in Chicagoland. And a few weeks ago, we saw some um, significant um, grievances aired. Yes, uh, That's from a great way some of it. yeah some, from, from from some former PIZO employees of all sorts of stuff. and it was there was some sexual harassment stuff, there was just some straight up bad management, there discrimination was stuff. some discrimination, there was um, some complaints that they just didn't clean the offices and people were getting sick because of mold and dust issues at the offices. So I, I think that the employees, you know from the articles I've read about this, just really felt like this was the way that they had to go. In order to ensure safe, clean, yeah. fair working conditions for the, for the staff.
2: Yeah, good on them. I mean, and it's worth noting too. It might sound like a very small group of people to be, you know, 40 people starting a union. Paizo is one of the largest companies in our industry, and that's a pretty large team. That's that's bigger. They're they're. If I was named just five random companies off off the top of my head. That's more employees than they probably have. If I name five random mainstay companies, right? Yeah. Most gaming companies are very small. Mm-hmm. So yeah, good on them. I hope that it I hope it makes a good turn and they're able to resolve a lot of the issues that were being um, aired. And it's with a lot of the stuff that was in there, right? Like there were complaints that Paizo was not on the back end. Um, having the culture that they have gotten accolades for promoting in terms of diversity and acceptance and being LGBTQ friendly and stuff like that and they've gotten a lot of accolades for that in what they've published and hopefully the situation inside the company is getting better
0: I found it interesting one of the elements is that they are requiring people to live within a certain boundary area to work for Paizo uh, and that that's actually something I've seen before I've I've perused the idea of maybe I could work for a board game company and try to search around and really seeing that there is really a feeling of development needs to be in one place and not spread out. And that's something I'm hoping that in 2020, a lot more people will take advantage of is because there are great people from all walks of life, from all diverse cultures across the United States that I think would love opportunities to work with companies. And hopefully now that we've gotten used to working from home Hopefully, there will be more doors open for that as well.
1: But Absolutely, it's it's interesting because we, if you look at the Kickstarter community, that's uh, okay. We've got a designer of the board game who lives in you know the western part of the United States, and an artist who's from Canada, and a you know community manager who's in Florida, and and they really make it work. You know, on the Kickstarter level, you know, you see it a lot in video games of dis- a distributed workforce as well. But it seems like the bigger the company, the more they try to put management structures in place where, um, you know, I guess there's a rule of best practices, somebody wrote some place that says that you can't manage people unless you can see what they're doing. Right. You know, we're seeing, I've, even outside of our industry, I've read multiple articles about how, you know, the Fortune 500 companies are requiring all their staff members to come back into the office. Um, a, a certain number of days just so that they can be managed properly. And I think there's going to be of, more and more pushback against that yeah, idea.
2: I see a lot of pushback of people saying this is just to make the middle manager feel like he actually has something to do, right? Like
1: Yeah. Um, well, even we have companies in town that we, we have customers that work at that have been told that they have to spend 20% of their time in the office and they don't know why.
2: You you brought up a very interesting point, Jamie, about Kickstarter, you know, it's not unusual for you to see a very spread out development and uh, production team. And that's kind of a DIY entry point for a lot of people. And that just makes me think about a lot of like online collaborative work that I've seen that, I mean, since I was in middle school, high school, so now we're talking about adults, right? If, if you're working on something together on like GitHub, you know. Uh, programming something or putting together a game or translating something or whatever that kind of hey we all met online because we like this thing and we're going to work on this thing together virtually is pretty normalized in diy and hobby spaces so
1: yeah i mean there are don't get me wrong there are absolutely benefits to sitting in the room and just being able to spitball ideas and, and and come up with stuff too but i think that You know, Zoom and Teams and Google Hangouts and stuff have really made enormous strides. They were forced to last Mm -hmm. year make enormous strides to make that video and virtual presence so much better, you know, than it used to be. Yeah. You know, last year really was a a a watermark or a watershed moment for that industry, and where we saw a lot of these companies really come into their own and start to shine, and um, you know. It, it just makes you wonder, like why are these i mean we 're a retail store that 's a you right. know there 's a model where we have to be here to help customers but um, you know, Brittany works virtually most of the time, taking care of all the marketing and social media stuff. Mm-hmm. She comes in the office, into the store when we have a meeting or when she needs help or something specific. But otherwise, I just assume that Brittany doing the always awesome job she does, and and she'll ask me when she needs something. And yeah, and um, you know, it's just we I think we're gonna see things shift um, for the better, but it's just gonna take a little time, I think.
0: Yeah, my my thoughts are that. All of the 2020 brain children uh, board games that have been created by people who are in the pandemic and are now like, okay, I want to start moving this and getting Mm. it more refined, we're going to be seeing those in the next two to three years. And it's going to be really interesting to see what new innovative ideas came out of people being locked in their homes for a long period of time and then reaching out to people digitally to try and get artworks, assets, Mm. playtesting, and all of that.
1: Um, Yeah. Well, and it's going to be interesting, too, you know, I'm, I'm going back kind of a little bit back to your original introduction of this topic, too. Um, diversity in the industry yes. is changing as well, and there have been traditional, and since I am one, but I'm going to use the phrase, right, the, the kind of the older white guy who's the boss, and, um, you know, there hasn't always been a ton of diversity unless it was purposeful and intentional, um, and now we're seeing more companies with diversity chief diversity officers, and we're seeing, you know, places even like the uh, Gamma, the Game Manufacturers Association of America, um, purposely promoting diversity and looking to say, how do we do a better job of bringing um, these underrepresented groups forward? How do we bring more? Uh, Black designers and Indian designers and Native American designers and Hispanic designers and how do we bring more women in and how do we promote the works that these people are doing um, as opposed to it can be really easy to be trapped into that same um, old white guy structure. Yeah. Right? And, right And so it, it's really nice to watch these purposeful decisions being made and we're going to continue to see, I think, hopefully more interesting designs from people um, as we go forward. You know, Eric Lang is a, a, a we're all huge fans of his games yep. and he has really been championing this issue and I follow him on Twitter and just watch and, and I, while well, I won't say I always agree with Eric. He's doing a great job moving the ball forward yeah. on behalf of um, you know the minority groups that are wanting to be better involved in into the board game ecosystem.
0: Yep, because even if you might not agree with somebody, that means you're having a thought about it, you're having a conversation yeah. about it, and that is a step in the right direction. Absolutely. So there's no way to segue from this topic; <laughs> it is uh, <laughs> impossible. So I'm going to go ahead and just bring up our next topic, okay. which is a little bit more lighthearted, uh, and that is there is a new game coming out from Brain Games. Which is based upon the one of their smash hits, uh, "Ice Cold." Ice cool. Ice, ice cool. cool. Excuse me, ice cool. Because it's an ice school. Because it's penguins. That is true. It is so. Going <laughs> off that, please explain. Give me your your 45 seconds. Because apparently, if we give Jamie oh, Jesse 45 seconds, he does a really like succinct job.
2: Um. Ice Cool is a dexterity game, and one of the neat things about it is that you build the board by stacking boxes out from the main box. That is the board. Clip them all together. That is your school, and your player pieces are little penguins that you flick around, and uh, you're trying to go through all the doorways to grab the fish, and whoever gets all the fish wins the round. You can do trick shots, kind of go bounce off and get through multiple rooms at once. Very fun game. Uh, We've had tons of fun with it. One of the best dexterity games out there. There's Ice Cool 2, which is compatible with it, and you can make a mega school. And now they've got a new game that looks super, super cool, and... Uh, you know, for Iron it, it does, Forest. Yeah, Iron Forest, and I mean, the first game had penguins, so that means there's a pretty high bar
1: for me in terms of what <laughs> I'm expecting.
0: I think Robots fits into that. Robots bar does a pretty good job of getting
1: us started. Well, and I'll just throw in there, Ice Cool was the game of the year. Yeah. When it came out in 2017, it was it was literally a smash hit because it won the game of the year.
2: Very deserved.
1: Yes, and so. Um, we had a ton of fun with it. I, I played it until my fingers felt bruised um, because there's all these YouTube videos of these guys make these trick shots where it's like they like put um, English on the penguins like you would a cue ball playing billiards, and you can curve the penguins through a door and do like all these things or, or flick it on the top of its head and jump it over a wall. And so I kept trying to practice because I wanted to do this, <laughs> right? And then eventually, you know, after enough times of trying to flick these penguins around, your fingers start to hurt after a while. I felt like I bruised my fingernails and stuff by the 50, 60, 70th time I did it in a row. And uh, and I'm really looking forward to this. I'm, I'm glad that we've... We found this article. Thank you, John, because Iron Force looks amazing.
0: So the real kick of this game is that apparently it's following still some of those dexterity-based dynamics of flicking and rolling around, but they've added a new inclusion of adding a second level that you have to launch into.
1: You literally Um, flick your pieces into a launcher, then you have to launch your piece off the baseboard and up to the second level. Like Donkey Kong Country. You you can miss those. You can miss when you launch up there, and if you miss, there's penalties for missing, right? So you've got to practice using the launcher. And then if you're up on the second level, there are holes that you can purposely or accidentally drop through, drop back to the main level. But it becomes a four versus four kind of uh, melee melee game. And uh, the the descriptions that I saw, because it was just revealed at Essen, which Mm -hmm. is happening right now, Uh, Essen, for those of you that don't know, is the world's largest board game convention. It happens in Essen, Germany. And uh, to put that in perspective, Gen Con is the largest in North America. I think in 2019 had 70,000 unique people that they allowed to attend. And the last number I heard from Essen from 2019 was 125,000. So almost going towards double the size of Gen Con, which is mind-blowing. Uh, but this Iron Forest game is just—it looks—it looks awesome. There's scenarios. There's way to configure the board differently. And the second level floats above the main board on kind of these these almost like plastic pillars that hold it up in the air and prop it up. It looks cool. It's going to be—it's going to be on a table. It's the yeah. game story.
2: And if that's a four by uh, four against four, that puts it in the category of Suro of good, quick
0: to learn party games for updating people. So the reason I want to kind of bring this up is not only because it looks like a fantastic game. Also, it's coming to Kickstarter within a few months. Uh, So I'm sure that you can contact Red Raccoon and they will be able to help you with your pre-orders on that. But I also want to talk about Dexterity Games. And they seem to be a very unique niche within the board game sphere. And I was just wondering, as a game store, how do you feel when you see a new Dexterity game being brought out? Because my initial reaction is hesitation would come seeing something like that.
2: They usually play quickly enough that if it does something just different enough it gets a pass easier for me when I'm sifting through the wheat from the chaff as it were um, in a similar way to how like Amigo so Amigo, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use a different genre as an example. Okay. Amigo Games publishes Llama Take 5, Delt No Thanks, all these games that are relatively speaking like a simple numbers on cards game, right? They're play more like traditional card games. And they are inexpensive, quick to learn, and so even if they are similar, they're of a style in some way, I am okay with having more of them in stock because you're going to play them quickly and it's not, well, I invested two hours to play a game that feels very much like a different game I already own, right? Mm-hmm. That's how I feel about a lot of dexterity games. Um, as an example, two games that almost look the same and you would mix them up if they were next to each other but play rather differently, Crazy Tower and Buildsy. Both of them are essentially Tetris Jenga, but they're different executions of it. I have no problem having both on the shelf and I would suggest people buy both of them because they're going to have fun with them in different ways. I love Dexterity games because they are quick to learn their dynamic. They're great for kids. They're great for adults. They're great for people who are drinking. They're great for people who are sober. (laughs) And I mean, to that point, they are some of the, like, if you look at a lot of Hava games, you know, Rhino Hero, Rhino Hero Deluxe, Those are often dexterity games that we recommend for younger kids because they're learning the fine motor skills and it's fun for adults as well. Oh, a Click-Clack Lumberjack. had to mention Click-Clack Lumberjack.
1: I was waiting for it. (laughs) I knew it was going (laughs) to pop in here someplace. I knew Click-Clack Lumberjack was going to show up. Um, Yeah, I I enjoyed dexterity games. Um, Probably the one I played the most recently was Flip Ships, which was hard Space Invaders <laughs> yes. basically the yes. the aliens march down towards you and you literally have to uh, a pog hanging off the edge of a table or you could put it on the little tower that came in the game and you had to flick the the pog and land on or land within a certain distance of the aliens to shoot them and blow them up and it took some practice, right? It was a, and, and maybe that's the difference. Is as a lot of the dexterity games to get good at them take some time and take some effort, and take some practice. And um, I would say, as the store owner of Red Raccoon Games, that dexterity games do not sell as well as other games, because maybe because there's an interest in instantaneous gratification that comes with a lot of board games. And you don't always get that with a dexterity game because it does take a little effort and a little practice to get good at them. For most of them, not all of them.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's they're either really hot or less so, and some of that comes back to something that's relevant for every game, but especially dexterity games is is it on a demo table? I mean, um, oh, it's names falling out of my head. The one with the bent metal rods. It's a holiday bestseller.
1: uh, it's from Melissa and Doug. I'm totally blanking on it right now. They're like two listeners that I'm automatically yeah. know this answer. To yeah, yeah. Shout John's going right to edit
2: now. the answer in. Um, you're welcome. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
0: But it's a bunch of
2: bent metal rods that you hang and essentially make suspension with and you're trying to get rid of all of your rods we put that on a demo table and it just sells itself, people have fun playing with it they're easy to engage with, even if you don't know what you're supposed to do, they're like a building toy and that
1: couldn't keep Suspend.
2: A... Suspend.
1: Suspend. It. There suspend. you
2: go. You're welcome, you don't can have to Can I just
1: have
0: a clear, like, the game's name is Suspend that I can just edit in there later? Go ahead.
2: Yeah. The game's name is Suspend.
0: Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Um... But that just
2: sold itself, right? On On the other hand, something like flip ships would Jamie and I both but enjoy. But spend
1: as soon as we took it off of the demo table and set it back on the shelf, nothing. sales flatlined yep. on it. Nothing. So it's it's this it's always this balance dexterity right. games. If we don't put them out and let people touch them, they don't sell. And so it's that's a it's a hard balance of Okay, this has already been on the table for six weeks. Right. Do we need to rotate something else in there? But if we put this back on the shelf, it's going to stop selling. And so that's one of the, the balances we always have to try to come up with. And and we've already expanded from we used to have one demo table to now we have like eleven. And there's still only so many, so much time yeah. any one game can stay up on a on a demo table before we have to rotate it off to show off the next new thing. Um, and this suspend is the perfect example mm-hmm. of that. So is Buildzy. Oh yeah, Buildzy's so fun, and I got it out and I taught a bunch of newer employees at Red Raccoon Games, and they had a great time with it. They're like, "How do we never even? How do we not know about this game?" I'm like, "We've we've had a demo of it for two years right. since it's been out." So, um, dexterity games fall in a weird niche of, mm-hmm. if you let people play with it, they will self um self select. Mm-hmm. But as soon as we put it back on the shelf yeah. and take it off the demo rack, they they the sales flatline. We got to, so we're trying to figure that one out still. So. I rem-
0: I don't know why this is coming to mind. I don't think you guys had to set up for this, but I remember for Ice Cool, you could there was videos where you saw the trick shots that mm-hmm. people were making. Yeah, at. and I think that was that is why it stuck out in my mind is because you did see just how good you can be at the game. And I think that for a lot of dexterity games. That why I turn away from this is, like, I don't know if I what good looks like for this game. Uh, with, like, flip ships, does it just mean I can just put it wherever I want? Is that the only thing? And I definitely see where you're coming from, where if people are able, actually able to interact with it and have that feeling of, oh, I could have made it if I just had learned to do this a little bit better, uh, that is that draw. that then I think a lot of other board games get. But I guess I'm just more trained to look at board games and say, okay, this has a theme that I enjoy and it seems to have the mechanics that I'm used to. Mm -hmm.
2: And we can't discuss dexterity games without me giving a shout-out to one of my favorite RPGs, which is Dread, the horror game played with Jenga Tower. Yes. I think we mentioned it last time, so I don't need to go into big detail or anything, but it's... One of the best RPGs ever, because is a stressful game, and so it makes you anxious every time you have to pull, uh, pull a block.
0: <laughs> I will say that uh, Dungeons & Daddies, which I think I've talked about multiple times on this podcast, they did a special Patreon episode of all their characters playing Dread. Uh, and it was a completely different vibe, a completely different... Because all of a sudden, the energy was kind of against the person mm-hmm. that was pulling it, but also for them because you didn't want to have to do it, but you the wanted to support them. The things I've seen them. done
2: to a Jenga tower in that game, it's <laughs> insane.
1: <laughs> I, got a, I got a solicit the other day for a world's smallest Jenga game, and the whole tower, when you assembled it, would be like two inches tall. That's and insane. I, yeah, I'm like, how do you even grab the pieces Tweezers? out? Uh, you'd have to because my fingers are so fat. I don't think I could even grab just one piece at a right. time or poke one piece out of the pile it's like the way that toothpicks. you do. Yeah, it's basically yeah, get a bunch the of chop, chopsticks or something, yeah. right?
0: You just need to get one of those like magnifying glasses that you use for model painting that has like it's on so the, you, the arm. And... You build the Jenga tower inside a glass bottle. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> one of those little terrariums, which is actually. Within the new hotness, which is our next topic oh, for today. look um, at that. Segway. Yeah, that was a beautiful right one. Right around yeah. on a Segway. So I will say that I took a look at the new hotness before coming to our ultra-secret location of recording and uh, definitely saw a continuation of what we talked about last week, which we had Pokemon on logs, which I thought was very cute. They're um, adorable. We had, you know, uh, Pikachus Poke- on logs and... Piplops. Piplops. And but this week I saw that there was a new thing where it looked like there were pin holders that had Pokemon doing like special moves around, but also small like sleepy time terrariums little where sleepy
2: time terrariums are adorable. Yes,
0: there are Pokemon that are asleep within just like this little kind of globe that can sit on your desk. Yeah, and it looks very peaceful and very zen inducing. Um, so those caught my eye. But is there anything from the the new hotness that is really catching your attention?
1: Well, I, I we. Uh, we got in a bunch of products that I ordered when I went to the Astra game show in, in early September. and A bunch of stuff just showed up. So um, a lot of it was designed to be good stocking stuffers. So there's a lot of puzzles on the new hotness right now. So variations of things like Rubik's Cubes um, with different angles and different ways to solve them. Uh, some of those puzzles, like uh, Jeff was intrigued by. There's a sword in the stone puzzle where you have to solve the puzzle to, to free the stone and, and or free the sword and pull it out of the stone. A um, bunch of stuff like that that you know that I was like this this will be a lot of fun. Uh, and, and I think that Friday, luckily, I don't know what happened, but our UPS order got dropped off at 8:30. Because the guy's been rolling through about 11 or 11.30 and giving us a half hour to open the boxes and put stuff away. And this time he got there at 8.30 and thank goodness because there were so many new products that we've never had in the store before. So mm-hmm. lots of puzzles. Uh, very intrigued by that. One of the big things um, that has been super popular all weekend was the the fundraiser for the pink Ticket to Ride train cars. And Asmodee and Fantas- or Days of Wonder... Created this set of pink train cars because and released them because October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and two dollars of every one of those sets purchased goes to the Breast Cancer Research Foundation. Uh, and those have been flying off the shelves. I thought I owned a good, I ordered a good supply of those, and I think I underestimated. So we have, we are already over 75% of the way sold through those. Jesse is going to be trying to reorder those, um, and hopefully we can get more of them. Mm-hmm. But that's been like something that's super popular this weekend as well.
0: And it doesn't actually change any of the mechanics. It's just more of a representation yeah. and an in-memory-of type of item.
1: Yeah, and they've done some exclusive sets of, of train cars before. A few years ago, there was a Ticket to Ride tournament kit to run a Ticket to Ride tournament and the winner got a set of uh, milk clear. cars. Oh yeah, the milk cars. And then they did the ghost cars, yeah, the ghost which cars were all clear. 15th anniversary? They called them the ghost cars. Yeah. So they've they've had some different cars they've done over time. This is the first time it's ever been like a real fundraiser. So that was kind of it's it's like something that you know asthma day actually got right. Yeah. Um, which is not something we say a lot anymore. <laughs> so you know um, uh, also popular last year where we got some advent calendars, but they're full of dice. So as you open them up, you're opening up new types of dice in each one of those. The
2: adventure
1: calendars. The adventure calendars. There's one with a pirate ship,
2: and it looks really cool.
1: Yeah. So they, the, the company that makes them is uh, uh, Black Oak Forest is the name and of the company that did these. And they do an advent calendar with 31 days that's aimed to be the October calendar, which, of course, we did not receive until October the 14th. Just um, means
0: you get a lot of dice ahead of time. Like yeah, just
1: you, get, you get to catch up real fast. And then they, did a, they do kind of more of a holiday-themed one, a Christmas one. So um, that one we haven't even put out for sale yet because, well, it's still before Halloween and we're not going to be that company. Thank you. um, At
0: least one company is standing strong against the
1: scourge of Christmas.
0: I'll be in the cold, (laughs) cold ground before
2: I celebrate the holiday season before Halloween.
1: Yeah, (laughs) and and so it's cool, though, because there are dice that you can get in there that have never been released anywhere else, that they're only part of these advent calendars, uh, the adventure calendars. Uh, So that was kind of fun, too, something, something fun we got there. Jesse, anything caught your eye?
2: Um, I have a few things, but before I go to mine, do you want to talk about Dune House Secrets?
1: Oh, I haven't got a chance to play it yet. I have it. It's still in the shrink. It's it's on my list to play. So, uh, we already talked about Dune comes out on Thursday, the movie, and it's been bumped four, five times now, right? Because yep. I think it was actually yep. supposed to be out last, last week. Year. Well, last year, yeah. but more recently, it was supposed yeah. to be out last week from when we're recording. It's been bumped so many times. This is a new tie-in to the new Dune movie that runs on the Detective engine. And if you're not familiar with Detective, Detective is a co-op engine, and it is the closest thing to a CSI or an NCIS as a board game that you're ever going to get. Mm-hmm. And it does detective games do use an app or a computer to keep track of some of the stuff that's going on. They have an augmented reality feature where you you, know, you aim the camera at a card and based on who you've already talked to and what you've already done, it might reveal new kind of augmented 3D reality versions of the scenarios that rep- each card represents. I am super intrigued by this Dune game, but if we just got it on Thursday and yeah. I haven't even had time to open the cellophane on it
2: I not. haven't seen if it uses the companion website the way that regular detective does, which is so cool because it's like a criminal database and there's videos and all that stuff. The funny thing about it is that means that then this game would uh, break the tech taboo established by the Butlerian Jihad.
0: So, yeah, you have to have Mentats <laughs> yes, you need
2: a, to... Yeah, the game comes with a Mentat. It's just a little Mentat. <laughs> He's head. very
0: small. He, he comes later after you order it. And for those of you that have no idea what we're talking Go about... Go watch Dune. Watch Dune and then probably still won't really have an idea of <laughs> yeah. what we're talking about.
2: It's only the first half of the book, right? So that means yes. that I'm actually... It's okay that I'm... I'm almost up to where the the movie will end, right? Yeah. Um, so there's some really cool stuff I was excited about in here. Uh, a lot of stuff we got in because of Free RPG Day, a few other things. So first up is uh, Unknown Armies, the most recent edition of Unknown Armies. We got the uh, the player's book and the GM book in. And if you haven't heard of Unknown Armies, it's an occult, post post-modern, postmodernist kind of modern fantasy RPG it's very crazy it's a lot of like goofy weird conspiracy theories. Its magic system is based on belief so if you believe it works you can make it work. Um, it has one of my favorite explanations for uh, in if you are in melee combat you will take damage every round it's just a matter of how much and their explanation for that is if you don't think that you can that you are going to take damage every round find a toddler give them a sharpie attempt to get the sharpie back.
1: <laughs>
2: so, definitely <clears throat> definitely check out Unknown Armies. It, you can play it more goofy, you can play it more serious. Um it just has amazing plot hooks. Um another thing that we got in there is the Cortex Prime book. Cortex Prime is a very popular um generic modular RPG system so you can run it for all sorts of different settings. Uh, well, an older version of the Cortex system ran the Smallville RPG. More recently, it was uh, used in the Legends of Grayskull RPG, so the He Man RPG that recently came out. It's very narrative oriented. Um, it uses different sized dice with die pools, and there's a lot of mechanics for how characters and NPCs are related to each other. Uh, so, that's been getting a lot of hype. And then there was another thing in here that I was like, oh my god, that's so cool. Um,
1: the the new book from the lady that wrote... Yes,
2: Princess Princess. So uh, K. O'Neill, we've talked about their other um, uh, T-Dragon Society and Aquacorn Cove. And Princess Princess is a new comic that's fi- it's, It was a webcomic, I think, and now it's in print that's about a princess that rescues another princess. And there's a themed version of Love Letter coming up from Renegade Games that is uh, based on that one. So very excited for that. It's adorable. Uh, And we also got Similo Spookies, which looks really adorable as well. Similo is a line of, I call it cooperative guess who, because you're trying to, the the clue giver is trying to get the guesser to identify a specific card laid out. There are all these different characters. There's a history one and a myth one and a literature one. And this one is all monsters and Halloween-themed stuff. And uh, essentially, the clue-giver cannot speak, but they can play cards out to say, this card has something that is similar to the one that you are trying to guess. This one is something different. Yeah, we had a lot of
1: fun with Simulo last year when it first came out, and so now this is a Halloween-themed version, and there will be a Christmas-themed version that's coming out too. Also, I want to throw in something there. Keeping with tradition of... Uh, geeky cookbooks. Oh yes, yes. Yeah. So last year we had we saw huge success with the Heroes Feast, which is the official Dungeons and Dragons cookbook, and I myself own the Galaxy's Edge cookbook, which is the official Star Wars cookbook. Um, this year I saw and grabbed the Necro Nom Nom <laughs> and uh, and then the same author that wrote that also wrote Lovecraft cocktails. And so they're all, both books are full of horror themed food and drink. And the interesting part about both books is that neither of them has any photographs. Oh. Everything is drawn. So everything is an illustration of these huh. really creepy, dark, Lovecraft um, kind of horror themes in there with food and drinks mixed in there. And That's so, intriguing. yeah, the artwork is amazing and the drinks are. Um, uh, look fantastic, or sound fantastic, and the food and everything. Um, we're actually out of the book. I'm about to buy more <laughs> because, as I described it to people, you know that I was excited about in a in a live video we did Friday. Um, the cookbook's gone, and there's only a couple of the drinks books. So I'm going to order some more because it's obviously this is right up the alley of, of Red Raccoon Games customers' interest right there. And I'll also say that there is a Last Airbender, a uh, Last uh, Avatar, the Last Airbender mm-hmm. cookbook, and a Fallout cookbook that are on the way to the store too. Interesting. Yeah, oh, and when a Harry Potter um, official uh, cocktail or unofficial Harry Potter cocktail guide. Mm-hmm. Nice.
0: There's one other thing I wanted to talk about from the new hotness, which I had a little bit confusion over. I think I understand now, but I did see that X-Men United is on yes. the shelf. Yeah. So X-Men United is a sequel to Marvel United yes. from earlier this year or
1: last, last
2: year? year. Time Wibbly we
0: Wob.
1: Well so it depends. <laughs> so Marvel United was a huge Kickstarter and it's a ton of these cool chibi figures and it's this cooperative Fantastic battle skirmish game.
0: Eric M Lang <laughs> it's a it's an Eric and Lang game that's actually somewhat simple. Yeah. Uh, that you can you can really teach anybody and have fun with anybody.
1: Well, and so as Seamon has a tendency to do with their Kickstarters, there's like, hey, we made this game. And then they keep unveiling stretch goals as it goes along. And usually with all Seamon games, the stretch goals get out of control. It's exactly what happened with Marvel United. I think that there were um, six major expansions and a few minor expansions of Marvel United, and they couldn't get everything out in 2020 before Christmas. So they shipped just the core box for last Christmas, last October, and then this year in April, all of the stretch goals and all the expansions and everything showed up in April.
2: I I Ex- want you to know I refrained from getting uh getting wham in here a moment ago. I just want you to know, holding it in. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay um, And so this year they've done the exact same thing With X-Men United Which the X-Men United Kickstarter I think was even bigger than the Marvel United one oh. yes. And with a ton of expansions and You can get the, the blue team and the gold team And the original X-Men team And and so many bad guys And, and it looks amazing And I can't believe Jesse hasn't bought the base game yet Because Jesse's a it's, huge X-Men nerd
2: It's been very difficult it has been very difficult because the the, the base game has the X Men you would expect, and you know, Cyclops and Storm and Jean Grey and Wolverine, et cetera, And it's cool. And Magneto. And, Magneto bad it's, guy and It's cool. But the stretch goals and the expansions have so much like every Everyone. x-men that you could why yeah. I mean, it's just looking through i'm like oh boom boom and long shot and there Sunspot. was x-men all in of, there i had to
1: go look up to see who yeah, they were
2: all of the original yeah. new mutants which are some of my favorite x-men characters
0: um <laughs> dupe is in there um onslaught who pretty much like just pintailed the end of the 90s yes very of 90s. warlock
2: um uh Gwenpool, randomly okay sure um there's just so many. A cloak and dagger in there too, which is awesome. Not actually mutants, but appeared frequently in '80s X-Men comics. Yep. Um, yep. And of course, uh, it, it's uh, and, and Arcade is in there as a villain and Lady Deathstrike and and Soron, which is again they, well, they
1: just well if, if you got Arcade, you've got to have Dazzler too, and she's in there as well. Yes, yep.
0: Dazzler. And, and, and there's a creepy Mojo mini. Oh, man. They're doing sets for Days of Future Past, for X-Force, for the recent run of the Phoenix Five and the comic books. Uh, you can get the first class of the X-Men through the Kickstarter. And also, just for fun, I guess, they threw on the Fantastic Four as one of the stretch goals sure. as well.
1: Um, Not technically mutants, but kind of turned into mutants, I guess, Fantastic Four. New Fantastic Four movie theoretically in development now. So. Yes.
0: So I'm sure that they were wanting to start putting some stuff out there yeah. to talk about So them. this
1: one, they got the core game out again just in time for Christmas, and all the stretch goals will show up theoretically March or April is what we're being communicated. And, so, and this is not just for retail stores. This is how they put it out to yeah. everybody, right? So no reason why you shouldn't back it through Red Raccoon Games.
2: And... If you do it now, it is probably cheaper than it will be when it comes out.
1: <laughs> yeah, because the all the stretch goal boxes and everything for the Marvel United uh, jumped in price by about 150 200%. Yep. Because once people went, oh my gosh, this game is really good, then they wanted all the stuff that went with it, and it was hard to find and a little bit scarce. So we, we do have, I think we've got like one or two of the stretch goal sets for Marvel United labs and then X-Men United we have a, a few. plethora yeah. on order. I, I don't think a few. I think we have a plethora <laughs> and given the size of those boxes Um, we're going to have storage issues for where we're going to put those.
0: I will never forget that was a time where uh, I'm very blessed that people know that I like board games, and an anonymous tip came to me (laughs) while I just happened to be across the street from Red Raccoon, and I pretty much at 12.01 walked through the door and said, hey, I heard you guys got this, uh, and immediately purchased it, and I I haven't really regretted it since. Uh, It's a game that I know I can pull out with anybody, and I think... Uh, this is just going to build on that. So I guess my question is, uh, I was kind of led to believe that I needed to buy the core set now because the Kickstarter ones coming are only the stretch Correct. Goals. Yeah. Yes. So if you want like the full experience, you probably might want to get the core set yes. now.
2: So you can come in, buy the base game, spend 40 bucks. Go home, play it, see how much you like it, and then come back and put in your pre-order for the stretch goals or the ultimate everything in.
1: Because last time, what happened with Marvel was we um, we ran out of core boxes. Mm-hmm. So because it, once people started getting the game and playing it, then the core boxes ran out everywhere, and so we ran out of core boxes, and we have stretch goal packs, but no no core boxes left to sell to anybody. So not sure that's going to happen again in this weird, weird world of shipping issues, which we've talked about, I mean, how many yeah. times this podcast yep. is still going on, and now it's hitting like every other industry in addition to ours. Um, you can't get away from the news about the shipping stuff. Hopefully we will have plenty of core boxes and plenty of stretch goals because I I went in pretty heavy this time because it was X-Men, I know how popular X-Men are.
2: Oh, yeah. Speaking of, of tips about things that are new, um, there's a new Steffen Feld game on the new hotness, John.
0: as uh, you know. a personal inside joke right now to <laughs> apparently every <laughs> podcast listener. Uh, Steffen Feld and I are probably at most odds uh, of anybody that I've ever had in existence because <laughs> my wife loves his games, and I feel like uh, he is not a man that is meant for me. Uh, and so therefore... I don't think my wife would leave me for Stefan Feld, but I feel like if she knew he was within the country, I, we would have to go see him, because she admires these games so much. Uh, so therefore, Jesse has just now plagued me, and thankfully my <laughs> wife does not listen to this podcast. Uh, so she will find out when she's good and ready.
1: Yeah. No, it's... um. Uh, I've played a few games with your wife, too, and I'm not sure that I've actually won a game against her yet.
0: And She makes you feel like you can, and that's the worst (laughs) part. She makes you feel like it's possible, and then she pulls the card, and all of a sudden, you no longer own Arrakis.
1: I I thought I had that Dune Imperium game won, and then I should have known that she was being quiet sitting over there, that she had something up her sleeve, and she pulled out that you know, uh, the person who has the most worm cards captured wins this many victory points, and that put her one point ahead of me, and I was just like, no!
0: It was like a Yu-Gi-Oh! move, where it's just like, and I'll pull my final card, and it's exactly (laughs) the one I need to win! Um, But, for, for the new Steffenfeld game, for the new Marvel game, for all of these games, you can come to Red Raccoon, uh, put in your pre-orders, pick it up from the new hotness, explore the shelves, see the amazing stuffies, talk with the amazing staff, and until next time, you can learn more about it here at Red Raccoon Radio. Thank you so much, and see you next time.
1: That was, that was a good ending. ending.
0: Yeah. Wow, wow thank, you. thank you. No, we didn't talk about it.